Happy New Year, everyone. Uh, let me just lead off by saying that uh, Frank Frazier from New Hampshire just recently told me that apparently Spotify has a new feature where you can uh, give podcasts a certain number of stars. And I just wanted to say that if you have enjoyed listening to this podcast over the years, perhaps you'd be kind enough to go give it five stars in Spotify, if that's where you listen. We were just at my brother's house in Burlington, Vermont, and uh, I came across a fantastic book there by a farmer named Daniel Mays. I can't remember the name of the book. No-till something, something, something. Daniel Mays is a farmer my age. He has a farm called Frith Farm up in up in Maine, and and he was an engineer before he was a farmer, and so he has a very interesting mind when it comes to farming, and one that I greatly appreciate. There are a lot of cool ideas in this book. One of which was that I really loved was. Um, the idea that if you're going to keep tarps for covering sections of fields for uh, killing off cover crops, so you put black plastic tarp over the field, you weight it down with cinder blocks or sandbags, and you wait a couple months and the material underneath dies and forms a, a beautiful mulch that you can plant into that will help smother weeds, among other benefits. And one of his innovations was this idea of... Uh, well, because each of his fields is of equal size, he can create sort of sections of tarp that are interchangeable from one field to the next. And those sections of tarp can live folded up on a pallet on top of however many cinder blocks is needed to securely weight the plastic down against the wind. And then when you need it, you can just drive to the area where these pallets are kept and pick up a pallet that has everything you need on it to tarp off a certain section and drive it over and voila. Everything is stored in such a way that it is together with everything else that you would need for a given circumstance. Partly made effective by the interchangeable nature of the the areas that you might need it for. I've worked on a number of farms. That was an interesting sound. It sounded like a small... Sounds like there's a small hawk ahead of me in the woods. I don't know where. I've worked on a number of farms, and all of them had like a depot where you'd put your plastic or your remay and a place where you'd put all your sandbags, etc. And so the idea is, you know, okay, we need to go... We need to go put remay or plastic on this part of the farm. Okay, so we're going to go and we're going to sort of hunt through the pile to find one the right size. And we're going to put it in the bucket of the tractor. And we're going to also put in however many sandbags we need. It's just a lot of sort of lugging around of sandbags, lifting them up, putting them in. It might not sound like much. And Indeed, in the moment, it doesn't take that much more time to load it up. And the, the thing is, is that anything that you do over and over again is worth examining to see if you can make it more efficient. Because 
the cost saving, the time savings and the energy savings, not to mention the cost savings, add up over time. And in this instance, instead of having to do all that sorting through and lugging a piece of plastic out from underneath the pile and thus upsetting the organization that's there, I love the simplicity of everything you need is on a pallet. Stick the forklifts in, lift it up, drive to where you need it, voila. It got me very inspired. There were a couple other things in the book, but that was really the big thing where I was... Every now and then when I read a book, something makes me sit up straight and go, ooh, there's ramifications here for me. And I can't quite articulate what they are for me yet, but I've done a lot of thinking over my career of thinking about how to make farm systems more efficient and, and production systems more efficient in this sort of, in exactly this sort of, sort of very small scale. And I love it when I find a new trick that I haven't seen yet. And this is one such, and it has me thinking that there must be ramifications for my spoon carving business. And if I had to list the general rule that this falls under, the general rule is put everything you need in a given, for a given circumstance together in such a way that when the circumstance happens, you just need to grab the thing and you've got everything you need. Right? So, um... Uh, well, I mean, uh, my wife, who's a school nurse, has a bag that she grabs if there's, like, a fire drill, right? And it's, like, in theory, it has everything she needs. So it's, she doesn't have to grab an empty bag and go throwing things into the bag for different, you know, from different cupboards and stuff. She just takes the bag and walks out of the building. And it's exactly that sort of thing. Um, and sometimes, as in the fire drill, it's so that you save time, precious time in, in a moment when it's critical that you save time. And sometimes it's so that you are saving yourself from having to create the system each time you need the system. So there's sort of two separate things. One, the first in spoon carving would be having your tourniquet and your, your uh, quick clotting bandage um, and your trauma shears, if you're like me, you're likely to tourniquet the pocket where you keep your phone and therefore won't be able to dial 911. Uh, keeping all that stuff right close at hand to your work area so that should the crisis happen, it's not all scattered around. It's right there where you need it, exactly when you need it, where you need it. But this tarp kit on the pallet and it's the fact that it's like the tarps and the and all the cinder blocks that you'd need to tarp a given area. And it's the fact that it's like the given area is a known area. So each tarp kit is interchangeable. That to me is the beauty of this system. And I think it probably would be far less likely to be thought of if you had rows of different lengths, fields of different sizes and shapes, right? This was sort of, there's a commitment to making things interchangeable that I really appreciate that then has these ripple down effects of making something um, have these efficiencies down the road. But it doesn't necessarily mean you might not necessarily see the efficiencies. Hold on, I gotta pull in the dogs. So I feel like there's something like this just waiting for me to see it and articulate it in my 
spoon carving process. But the point is, is that in any given system that you have, whether it's your own business or a business that you work for, you can look for these inefficiencies and you might not come up with the most elegant solution right at first bat, but but it's there. And, and when you see it, you know it. I know for me, one of the big efficiencies was when I finally had my shop and I could have all of my, all of the things I needed to box orders up in one spot, which I'd never had properly. And also been able to essentially stockpile the work as I made it right next to that spot, which again, I'd never quite had. For years I had a real mix of, you know, I would keep blanks in one spot and then I'd keep finished work in another spot and then I'd bring them all to a third spot and then I'd pull in the things I needed to box things up and then when I was done I had to distribute all these things back where they came from and one big efficiency to my business came when I had a simple it was a actually a really cheap kitchen island that you can see in my workshop there it was like 120 bucks but that's just what I need. It has two shelves underneath, a wide shallow drawer for keeping the packing tape and the self-addressed stamp and some other things in there. And all of the stuff is stacked on the, on the desk to the right of that workbench. And when it's time to box it up, it's all right there and ready to go. Those efficiencies matter, and you're not necessarily going to have them when you start out in a side hustle, because often your side hustle is at a scale where you don't even see them as inefficiencies until you reach a certain level. And then when you do reach a certain level, you might recognize that something is inefficient, but not be able to see within your own personal setup how you can make it as streamlined as possible. You might look at someone else's setup and say, well, I just don't have room for that. Or here's what I'm using, here's what I'm doing, and here's the thing that I need. It's not going to be set up the way that this other person has. And if there's one thing I found is that we are surrounded in our lives by the cruft by the leftover remains of what came before. And clearing out the cruft is the first step towards enacting a new and better system. Because if you simply try to enact the system, the new system on top of beautiful 
Eh, it's not that beautiful in the phone. If you simply try to enact the new system on top of the cruft that was there, it's never going to, you're never going to see all of the possibility. This is why if you want to truly reimagine a room, you take everything out of the room and start putting things back together bit by bit. Because only then can you really see, oh yeah, what if I put this piece of furniture there and this piece of furniture there, and then all of a sudden I do have room for this uh, packing station, for instance. This is one of the reasons why I have tried every, every week when I would sweep out my workshop to rearrange at least some of the furniture. In part because moving it allows me to sweep underneath it. But also because it helps keep me thinking about how I can use the space more fluidly and what really matters to me in terms of using the space. And, you know, one of the interesting things, for instance, is I found I used to have a... I was reminded of this by an old photo I saw. I used to keep a stool to the right of the... Well, sort of when you're looking into my workshop from, from the outside, sort of right behind the stump, I used to keep a stool, and that's where I would keep my club and my saw when I was working, because I would stand facing the stump and also sort of facing sort of out of the window. I would be facing, uh, sorry, out of the door. I'd be sort of facing the corner, the, the left-hand corner of the shop by the door, the left-hand corner of the shop by the door. And now I sort of face more directly out both of the window vents. So I've essentially turned 90 degrees to my right in how I work. And what that's allowed me to do is put the club and the saw down on the workbench and also have the light be sort of coming over my shoulder and illuminating what I'm doing a little more clearly. But really, it's more about that little act of being able to place the tools back where they ultimately belong each time rather than balancing them on the stool. And it's those small ways in which we figure out how to more efficiently use the space that we have, sometimes by rearranging, sometimes by rotating our bodies 90 degrees, and sometimes by developing whole new systems. Hey, Willa, come on, let's go. Willa, come. No, let's go. Good girl, come on. Sometimes by coming up with whole new systems like these tarps on the pallets. This is a big part of what I love about working for myself is the development of these systems as the business grows and as I have both the experience to see what might be possible and also the time pressure to try and figure it out and also probably the resources to figure some of this stuff out, right? Clearly some of this stuff I just needed to be able to have the resources to build my shop 
to be able to have that figured out. And one of the things I recommend when people build themselves a space, whether you're creating it out of an existing space or, or building a whole new space, is to not get too clever with your shop. Don't make it so built in because you have some fixed idea of how it's all gonna work that you make it difficult to adapt how you use it over time. This was a mistake I made with my, sh my shed at the Christmas tree farm. At the time I was too clever and thought, well, this is really a clever space-saving way to use the space. And if I do it this way, look at how deliciously built in everything is. Not recognizing the fact that I had a very poor understanding of what I might need five or ten years down the road in terms of use of the space. And if I, if I was giving myself, if I was, if I was, if I was me now giving past me advice on how to build that shed, I would have said to make it simpler, both in terms of construction and also less, less built in than it is because there is little advantage to making something the perfect iteration of what it might be in a way that prevents it from adapting and becoming what you might need it to be in the future. So keep it simple and keep it flexible. And out of that will come these beautiful systems. Happy New Year again. Thanks everyone for listening. Talk tomorrow.